Hi, I'm Tom Henriksen from MyITCareerCoach.com, where we build great tech careers, and welcome to Tech Career Talk. Today, we're going to talk about leadership agility with Ken Roberts. Ken, introduce yourself to the people here from Tech Career Talk. Hi, yeah, my name is Ken Roberts. I'm with Better Ways Agility. Um, I've been involved with agility and transitioning since 2011 when I first got my certified Scrum Master. Um, I do enterprise program and team level coaching. Um, I also lead the Princeton Agility Group, which is where I met Tom. Um, it's basically a group. It's a meetup group. We do lean coffee and lightning talks. Um, it's been growing quickly. Um, Deloitte has been kind enough to host us, and I can't thank them enough, but we actually are running out of space. We, um, we last session that we had was 49 people, and uh, that was the room limit. Yeah. <laughs> we hit the fire code limit. So <laughs> you know, if, if there's anybody in the Princeton area that's willing to host us, hopefully that we can get some good parking. Please reach out to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good problem to have, Ken, when you have a group that you're busting at the seams. Oh, it's been great. Like, um, we, it wasn't just a matter of those 49 people. I mean, we had people on the waiting list who also wanted to come that we had to say no to. So, yeah. um, you know, my intent with that is to grow, to grow the community in this area. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of really smart people out there. And if we can build a community in this area, it's going to raise the level of all the boats, right? So exactly. that's, that's what I'm trying to hope to build with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the community is so important wherever you are, that community is important to engage and, and just kind of learn what other people are doing and maybe you'll learn something or maybe you can help them out too. So that's great. And I appreciate you doing that. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And it's awesome. You know, it's uh, seeing the leadership that's starting to develop with the folks that are there has just been awesome as well. You know, with people stepping up on lightning talks, it's been, it's been yeah. an incredible experience. Yeah. You have a yeah, good, awesome. good uh, group there and a lots of interesting topics that come up. So it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So Ken, today you want to talk to us about leadership agility. So tell us what does that mean to Ken Roberts? Yeah. So if we think about agile transitions and that's what a lot of what I do is, um, and I'm sure a lot of agile coaches, that's what they're involved with. Right. But if we think about that, um, it's essentially a human endeavor. Right. So when we talk about changing organizations, really what it is that we're talking about is helping to change people, change their perceptions, change the way that they think, change the way that they work. Right. And that's a human endeavor. Yeah. Um, if you think about the problem space that we're typically in, if you've done any, like, like you ever looked at Kinevin and they talk about, you know, obvious and simple, complicated, complex and chaotic. Mm -hmm. um, essentially with a lot of agile projects, we're in a complex space. And what that means is that we can't rely upon the predict and respond that we've done in the past yeah. because we can't necessarily know where things are going to go. Mm -hmm. Well, that takes internal fortitude and internal capability to adapt to that kind of a reality. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if you think about also things like scrum and other agile frameworks, we talk a lot about self-organizing teams. Yeah. Right. We want leadership and management that allows for learning. You know, we talk about things like leaders at all levels. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? What does leadership at all levels mean? What does a self-organizing team mean? Yeah. Well, in order for those folks to be effective, in order for us personally to be effective, we need to work on ourselves and our own ability to be agile in the way that we work and the way that we think. Yeah. It's a big mindset shift, isn't it, Ken? 
Oh yeah, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And by the way, some of the stuff I'm going to be talking about today comes from um, Michael Hammond and his Evolve Agility book. Um, I've been taking a cohort with him over the last um, four or five months, and it's been an incredible experience. Yeah. Um, really, really deep and interesting stuff. We'll link that up in the show notes, Ken. Awesome. So when you talk to teams about, and, and leaders really, about leadership agility, like you mentioned the Kneffen model and other things like that, what are some other ways you do to help kind of develop that leadership agility at all levels? Yeah, well, part of it is just being able to reflect and talk about the learning. You know, there's a great quote by Viktor Frankl, um, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space, space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Yeah. Right? Now, if you think about the way that biologically we're wired, right, our brain is designed to be very efficient in terms of decision making. Right? So a lot of times we go immediately from sensing what's going on to response. Like before we can even think about it, words and ideas are, are already been formulated and coming out of our mouths. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, that shortcuts a lot of what's necessary if we truly want to be agile, right? What we want to do is to be able to better sense, to better make sense of what's going on. So that way we can come up with a wider range of responses that's appropriate to the situation. So we don't slip back into maybe our old ways of working sometimes. Well, yeah. Yeah. And again, it's our brains that are wired that way. And it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot easier for us. If you think about the amount of energy, mental energy it takes for us to um, stop and think, to truly listen to what's going on, yeah. um, that takes energy, right? So the question is, how do we build the sensing and how do we build that sense-making capability? How do we slow that process down, become more aware of what it is that we're sensing? Mm-hmm. How do we take time to make sense of what's going on? Yeah. That's got to be difficult. I'm guessing like you mentioned, as you work on agile transformations, people probably have some, maybe some biases or maybe some, you know, responses that they kind of go to where you kind of have to coach them through and maybe like you said, let them reflect. Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, The other thing as agile leaders, when we're doing this type of work is we have to understand that we've got the same types of brains that they've got. Right. Yeah. Right. So what, I'm, what we're working on, like a lot of what we're learning right, uh, previously in this cohort that I've been with Michael Hammond is not so much how do we change leaders and other folks, is how do we change ourselves in response to the problem? How do we change ourselves to have a wider range of capability in our decision-making, the way that we make sense, et cetera, so that way we're able to adapt ourselves, to be more agile ourselves, to adapt to the situation, to help the leaders. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that sounds really good, Ken, but what, walk us through kind of how we can do that, like at a coaching level, like what are some things we can do, like maybe some activities or something we could help people? Well, there, again, there's kind of two parts in my mind. There's really three things that go on, right? We, we first, we sense, mm-hmm. then we make sense of things and then we respond. And again, that happens quick, very yeah. quickly, right? So slowing that down is the first thing. Mm right? Being able to challenge things a little bit is like, okay, that's one response or there, that's one way to make sense of this. Is there something else that we can look at that may be another way? So um, I don't know if you've ever heard Tom of like the levels of listening, like the three levels of listening. Mm -mm. Tell us more. 
Yeah, so we talk about the three levels of listening, which is basically, um, you know, listening to respond. A lot of times when we're in conversations, we're already formulating a response in our head. Yeah. As a result of that, we're not truly listening to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we're too busy up here. We're too busy thinking up here. Yeah. Right? So that's level one. Level two is where we're actually listening to the words of the people. So we've kind of put that voice in our head that's trying to come from the response into the back. And we're paying attention to, to the words that are coming out of people's mouths. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Well, that's, that's effective. But there's a level above that called level three. And that is where you're sensing more about not just the words, but what's going on with the person? What about their body language? Yeah. You know, how are they interacting? What's going on in the rest of the room around them? Um, and it takes skill to build up those levels of listening because by default, we're always in, sitting in, in like level one, right? Yeah. So how do you build those muscles is one conversation you can have. Um, it, what, the, one of the things I like to do also is to build more around collective sense making. So um, Michael Hammond talks a lot about a collective sense making sessions where you can kind of ask questions back and forth to build that. Mm-hmm. Aligned with that, I think, building strong facilitation skills in an organization helps to build space to have more voices engaged and involved. So that way you can make better sense of things or have more information in the room. So that way you are able to sense better. And I think it's just also just awareness that sensing what we are, that what we are sensing isn't the whole picture. Yeah. Right. Being willing to say that, you know what, I could be wrong in this. Mm -hmm. I really could be. Yeah. so that takes a little part. bit that takes yeah. a little bit though from somebody to kind of come to that level to say to kind of be vulnerable and say I I could be wrong, right? You probably have to coach people with that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how do you how do you present to them that there may be a different way of thinking without them relying upon, you know, saying, "Well, I'm the expert, I know it all." Or, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um this is the way we're going to do it because, you know, I'm in charge. Okay. Um and that's great. And what are some other options we might want to think of or how, how, what other ways we could approach this or yeah, let's talk about the impact of when we make those decisions without understanding everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. See, what's tough about this also, again, is that complex space that we're in because a lot of leaders are kind of used to that Newtonian cause and effect kind of thinking. Yeah. And in a complex space that doesn't always work. Yeah. Right. So what we tried one time is not going to work the next. Mm -hmm. Or it didn't work before. So therefore it won't work again. Right. You probably get a lot of that. Yeah. Yep. So the other part of that though, is not just the sensing, but the sense making. So in my mind, it's about slowing down that process that occurs so quickly, the sensing, the sense making, the responding, right. You want to Mm -hmm. slow it down a little bit to give people time to think, to give people time to reflect. Um, a lot of that also is becoming aware of those internal biases that we've got, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we become aware of that, what those ways of thinking that are automatic for us? Like our brain is, again, is wired in such a way to view change as a threat. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. change is the world today. Everything's changing very quickly. Mm-hmm. How do we utilize that as a strength, right? How do we utilize change as a competitive advantage? You might have heard that before, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> So that becomes about changing 
our ability of the operating system or the way that we're wired inside to widen our range of responses or widen our range of possibilities. Yeah. Right. So you can have conversations with coaching conversations with people that help them to challenge them in the way that they're thinking to kind of break them out of those molds. If you're asking questions in the right way, mm-hmm. that's also a tool that Michael Hammond talks about, which is deliberately developmental conversations. Right. Um, so, Challenging ourselves to see things different via different perspectives and frames of reference is useful as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of agilists also rely upon models to explain things. If you think about like frameworks and everything like that, it's all tied to models. Um, I don't know if you've ever yeah. heard the George Box quote. Um, mm, no. All models, all models are wrong. Some are useful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seems applicable. <laughs> right. So these models are useful because what is happening is we're able to view things in different ways and we can shift the way that we view things and use those to expand our ranges of capabilities when we're trying to adapt or respond to a particular situation. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of reminds me of uh, Dan and Chip Heath's book made to stick where they really kind of get down to it, that the stories really are the things that we remember. And I think, like you said, like with models, we remember those, whether they're correct or not, you know, is another thing, but those stories kind of are easy or people can cling to and remember those. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love storytelling too. That's great. Um, I do that a lot whenever I'm doing training is to try to relate to people, the stories that occur behind the thinking, right. Yeah. Um, And how some of these models are useful, but we have to understand again, that they don't always mock their, they're never true to reality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, one model that we try in one place may not work in another. That's again, that complex space. Yep. You know, uh, what we talk about a lot is uh, making moves in an organization. Mm-hmm. And it's not me going into an organization and saying, this is the way that we need to do it. This is how we're going to do it. Step by step by step by step. And at the end of that, we're going to get to the spot. Yeah. It never works. Mm-hmm. It can't work because it's complex space. So, what we do is we assess what's going on and we make certain moves and see what the impact of those moves are. We measure them and then make decisions off of what we learned off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Now, Ken, you, one of the things you, you've talked a lot about things here today about organizations with leadership agility. Talk to us about what that would look like if an organization kind of has come through a lot of this and learn and really, you know, embrace this. What are some things they can, some advantages and benefits they would have? Yeah. So the way I view it is that you end up, because you've got, and by the way, when I'm talking about leaders, again, it's leadership at all levels, right? From the mm-hmm. team all the way up to the, to the managers or, you know, CXOs or whatever. Um, what I've seen happen in organizations where leaders are able to adapt better is that the organization is better able to adapt, Right. So they're better able to get alignment quickly. They get better decisions that are made in the room because they've decentralized the decision-making, right? They're able to hear all the voices. Um, You know, I recall one of the, one of the places I used to work had scaled agile framework that we had used, right? And we had done Mm -hmm. a PI planning. I'm guessing some folks uh, probably listening to this have heard of that before, right? Yeah. And uh, it was CA technologies and we had, I don't know, hundreds of people that were planning. We had a, a solution uh, train that had hundreds of people. We had like, I don't know, six or seven different release trains that were all planning at the same wow. time across six different time zones. And I 
remember at one point, one of the managers there, a lower level manager who came to me, and this was during this planning event. And he said to me, you know, I've got this, I don't know, I've got this, this issue, this concern, and I'm afraid to bring it up in front of all these people and all these problems. Yeah. Right. And I was like, you got to bring it up. You have to bring up this issue. So he brought up the issue during the fist of five vote at the end, the confidence vote, he threw a two, yeah. you know, and the entire set of uh, trains turned around and had to stop and listen to what he had to say. As a result of his words, as a result of that one person out of hundreds having that one unique perspective, the plan changed. Wow. That's powerful stuff. Very. If you're able to adapt and respond and understand people at that level are able to make a change that wide within an organization just by stating what it is that they're seeing, what they're sensing, and then the organization itself is being willing to listen and sense and respond and mm -hmm. change to that. Wow. It's amazing. You know, like I, I was almost in tears seeing it happen, you know? Yeah. 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 That's great. Ken, you've shared a lot with us. Any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, I guess I just want to make sure again that we think about it. It's not just a matter of the external, like for the coaching for me, what I'm delving deep into right now is it's not so much me just helping the leaders kind of see things from a wider point of view. But right now, it's a lot about me. I mean, to be selfish, it's a lot about me changing and adapting and pushing myself outside of those boundaries and outside of those programs that are in my mind. So I'd encourage yeah. all agilists that are involved with transformation to do something similar. Challenge yourselves. Challenge your own way of thinking, right? Because yeah. that's what's going to allow you to adapt and respond to a complex space, which is agile transformation. Very important. Very important. Thanks, yeah. Ken. We appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you so much, Tom, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for reaching out to me. You bet. You bet. Yeah. If you have any questions, please email me, Tom, at myitcareercoach.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast. On behalf of Ken Roberts, I'm Tom Henriksen from My IT Career Coach, where we build great tech careers. And thanks for watching Tech Career Talk.